Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Top Gun starring Tom Cruise, Kelly McGillis, Val Kilmer, Anthony Edwards, and Thomas Garrett. Written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. and directed by Tony Scott. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. We're wrapping up another film review cast today, the Summer Box Office Hall of Fame Part 2. And uh, You know there's a Part 3 and a 4 in, in this entry at some point. There's just so many things we haven't touched on, whether that be like The Matrix or Terminator 2, stuff from the 2000s like The Avengers. Like There's any number of ways we could take this particular cast. What would be fun to do would be summer comedy compared to holiday-styled comedy. Mm-hmm. Take maybe two from a summer rain and then two from a holiday rain and play those out a little bit differently that's pretty good excellent well today we're talking about top gun 1986 our first chance to talk about tom cruise tony scott a whole bunch of people so i get let's let's get right to it we're gonna be finishing off the rest of the basil hayden's dark rhyme there we go cheers to you cheers yeah Still good. It's yeah. It hasn't defected no. in the in the week in between. Mm-mm. Well, excellent. Well, let's get to our flight question. Well, excellent. <laughs> Harold Faltermeyer, like I think, composed two like some of the best like '80s themes. He'd had this one in this film and uh, Axel F's uh, Axel Foley's theme in Beverly Hills Cop. Do 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 do. <laughs> That's him. That's him. <laughs> yep. Harold Faltermeyer. Excellent. Hit us with that uh, flight question this week, Matt. Before we get too far into that, I won't be calling you Jesse for the rest of the episode either. Oh, I'm going to call you by your your handle. Okay. And that's going to be Maestro. Nice. And you should call me Schoolhouse. <laughs> Maestro because of the music. Yep. <laughs> nice. Where's uh, my baton? <laughs> exactly. So the flight question is sort of a reference to Tom Cruise. Some might make the case. Maybe not everybody. And it's that very rarefied or special to elite class of actor or actress Mm-hmm. That's never <clears throat> won Academy Award. That should be deserving. Yeah. So we'll go male or female. Okay. And it can be from any period. And this could be deceased, so it will never happen. Yeah. Or living and maybe not as of yet. Okay. So top three? Yeah. Why don't you kick us off? Excellent. I tried to go with like living Okay. Uh, just for this one versus people that I know had deserved. Oh, so Claude Rains isn't going to get any love from you today, Maestro? <laughs> he doesn't get a lot of love from us ever. <laughs> In like three weeks. Number three, we've talked about her before. Such a disappointment it hasn't happened. Tony Collette, whether it be Little Miss Sunshine or Sixth Sense or especially in Hereditary. I mean, throw a bone that woman's way. I mean, she kills it in every film I think I've ever seen her in. Yeah, she doesn't have a bad role, does she, that uh-uh. I can think of? Mm-hmm. I wonder what the sticking point is on her getting over the top on well, that. Well, it's just genre pieces. Hereditary Sixth Sense, I mean, you're lucky if you get a nomination. You're blessed by some higher power if you so happen to win. Yeah. That doesn't mean we can't, like, fall in love with it. Like, she's amazing in Hereditary. And the Sixth Sense. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. we, yeah, a good choice. Yeah, number three. My number three is someone who's currently living, and it's John Goodman. 
I, I thought about him too. Yeah. Did you, mm-hmm. again, I don't have his entire filmography in front of me. There's very few, if any bad performances, like I don't particularly care for the blues, blues brothers in any iteration. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a stupid movie. I hate it. It's not funny to me. But even in that rebooted, he's still good. Blues Brothers 2000. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. that movie doesn't suck because of him. That yeah. movie just sucks. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the Big Lebowski gets in, and we can just go on down the line. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Argo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he the guy's terrific. Raising Arizona. Keep going. Yeah. So he, yeah, I, I I considered him too. Maybe his day is coming. Yeah, maybe. I think yeah, if he gets into the right film. I think both of the two we've named so far have mm-hmm. one thing that's not working for them. And I don't know if they are the stock model of what beauty in Hollywood is. Sure. That's not to mean that it can't happen. I think JK Simmons would be an example of that. Yeah. But there is a pretty piece to that. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that either one of them are ugly. Yeah. You just got to lock into the right role too. Yeah, man. I'm surprised John Goodman hasn't actually worked with Scorsese at any point. He seems like he'd fit his caliber of films. I think his range is really tremendous too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot from comedy to drama. Yeah. What can't he do? Yeah. Okay. So Ex- you're, you're number two. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, another uh, current living one. You got to think his day's coming too. If he kind of gets again, locks into the right role, it's Robert Downey Jr. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's great in Chaplin, Zodiac, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, Tropic Thunder. Uh-huh. <laughs> All the, his iteration is Tony Stark, essentially just playing himself, which He's kind of the glue that actually holds that whole thing together. The guy's great. And I think if he finds the right role, whether it be a war film or a legal drama or whatever, yeah, he'll bring it. You will find no argument for me on that. Yeah. You can go all the way back to less than zero. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's a couple stinkers in there. Oh, for sure. But there's not, again, sort of the Goodman argument. The movies that are bad that he's in are not bad because of him. And wouldn't that be just like an even like better like end to his story? Not to say him winning would be the like end of his career, but like to be as low as he got to like ascend that mountain to be like recognized by his peers like that would be pretty cool. That would be very cool. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Number two for me will be someone who's no longer with us. It is the exquisite Irene Dunn. Mm-hmm. I love her. You knew that this had to be in my wheelhouse on some level. Mm-hmm. We've talked about her quite a bit again from range to just outright talent. Like she's, there's not a genre she couldn't tackle from comedy to musical to drama. Yeah. She was outstanding with any other man opposite her. And I think that is a talent because you sort of have to, at that golden era of Hollywood, you have to shape and be malleable to meet yeah. the male on screen. Cause most of the time that's who is featured unless it's thin man. Right. Myrna the, Loy. The thin man. Right. Unless it's like, unless it's that Dick Pell and Myrna yeah, Loy. Like that, that might be one of the exceptions. <laughs> That's pretty good. So a lot of her stuff is going to kind of fall in that early romantic comedy genre. But when you get to her, her actual drama drama, she delivers in that and her upbringing's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think she's nominated five plus times, maybe seven, never have won. Yeah. She grew up like basically a vaudeville performer on her dad's steamboat. Mm-hmm. Brilliant mind, died way too young. Yeah. I think Catherine Hepburn stole a lot of her thunder in that reign. Probably. And so that, you know, she's up against one of the titans of all time. Mm-hmm. But for those out there who are not familiar with Irene Dunn, um, get on the awful truth immediately mm-hmm. and just sit down and enjoy the hell out of it. 
So my number two is Irene Dunn. I want to see if I can guess your number one coming up. Of course you know who it is. <laughs> my number one, my favorite actress of all time, still working today. She brings in every role she's in, nominated five times. You got to think her day's coming too, and it's Amy Adams. Uh, she, but she, she picks roles within that genre that fit that, whether it's Doubt or Sunshine Cleaning or Nocturnal Animals or Arrival or The Fighter. She's never terrible, though. You know what I mean? She's always good. Like her and Jessica Chastain, they like always bring it, and like they're they're fierce, they're fiery, and it always leaves me wanting more uh, from them. I, I can always, I could watch any movie that that she's in. She's very captivating to watch, but just a supreme talent on the screen. How many times did you say five? five? Yeah, it's coming. That's like DiCaprio levels. Like it's coming. Yeah, yeah. Great choice. Mm-hmm. Again no list in front of me. I don't know anything I don't really care for her in. Yeah. I don't love American Hustle, but again, that movie, that's not her fault. No, that's... That movie's just cleavage and wire wiretaps. And makeup smears. Lame. <laughs> yes, makeup smears. Uh, yeah. Um, even in Batman versus Superman, and Amanda, still she's... I don't think she needs to be in there to like... They need to have a different Lois Lane, but she's still... She's, she's not the... What's wrong with those movies. Right. Excess. <laughs> Excess. Yeah. That's my nut. Go ahead. Who do you think my guy is? Cary Grant? It was certainly in contention. Oh, okay. I felt like, and and yes, it should be any other podcast, except I'm trying to explore a little bit. Broaden your horizons. So that would be number one, but I feel like I talk about him every two weeks, so it's not time to do that. Again, great range. Okay. No, it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Ooh, nice. His time is is also coming. Um, Ooh, that was good. He can dance, he can sing, he's funny, he can be serious. He can write, he can direct. So I don't know if I'm going to get him as an actor or director. Or a writer. Or yeah. writer, but it's coming. My favorite movie from him is 500 Days of Summer. Mm-hmm. But my second favorite film from him is Don John. Mm-hmm. That movie's masterful. Yeah. And nobody saw it. Mm-hmm. Brick. Oh, God, yeah. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. No, that oh, that's a good. I didn't think you were gonna swing that way, but I could totally go for that one too. I think he's young enough and has the chops facially enough still to get there. Mm-hmm. He's got to lock down that role. Yeah, he's close. Yeah, he's close. He's got to pick that one though. Yeah, give him like a biopic or something. <laughs> the other one, um, you know, I was gonna go with Woody Harrelson, but he won for Larry Flint, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, didn't he win for Larry he, Flint? I don't think he did. And is nominated. That's another good choice. Anyway, so I just named like four guys. So no, no, I stole a bunch. That's excellent. That, this is a great question. You know, thinking how many times has Tom Cruise been now? Like, born on the 4th of July. Right. Uh, Tropic Thunder. No. He wasn't nominated Mm-mm. for that. God damn it. What's the other one? Magnolia, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And I think one other one I'm forgetting. But still, though, yeah, he's had... I can't wait to talk about Tom Cruise because he's an interesting fella. <laughs> but uh, what a range to have. This is 1986. Yeah, but Outsiders was a few years prior to this. The guy's been making movies for 35 plus years and he hasn't like, we could qualify something as a misstep, but he hasn't misstep. He's still playing in like the A team of Hollywood for that duration. That's to me, that's unbelievable. We try not to be on the nail or on <clears throat> the nose with our choices in the flight, mm-hmm. but for the people that are surviving, is he going to be your number one? Like, where I, I, I hope you didn't choose him because I purposely didn't, even though that's what inspired the question. Would he be maybe not the one? Would he be one of your three? Probably not. But the thing with Tom Cruise is, 
I don't ever find him like overly like other than like the the films I just mentioned. He's pretty good in the, and Jerry Maguire. That's the other one he's nominated for. Yeah, but he I never he's never terrible either. You know what I mean? Yeah. You you know what you're getting with him? Yeah. Like and the charisma aspect, which we'll talk about that here coming up. But I think the Fourth of July was his best shot mm-hmm. because that's the kind of movie that would garner that recognition. Sure. But anyway, all right, I'm dying for your number one. No, I already gave it. It was Amy Adams. I went first. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. That's well, um, I guess to Tom Cruise then, we're about to jump into his story in some ways because <laughs> a lot of Tom Cruise's story is this movie, right? Exactly. I think this and maybe Risky Business yeah. had as much to do with where he is on the stage today as anything. Sure. Well, let's get to our do review that. breakdown of Top Gun. your idea of fun, man? <laughs> Watch the birdie. Jeez, I cracked myself up. This is a great shot, man. I should be a photographer. It's been a few nine years, maybe nine or ten years since I've seen this. I kind of forgot how it started, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, we kind of get our credits, the preparations of the of the the fighter fi- fighter planes, and then we're off into the skies with our with our lead characters, uh, Pete Mitchell, Call Sign Maverick, and I don't even know Goose's first name, Anthony Edwards. But Anthony oh, Goose Edwards. and yeah, yeah. Call were you were you? Did you forget about Tim Robbins? Because yeah, I, Tim I Robbins, forgot all yeah. about that. Yeah, Tim Robbins, Mer- Merlin, Merlin. Yeah, there's a lot of people kind of sneaking up. I forgot Michael Ironside was in this. That's right. Principal Strickland from Back to the Future is like the the head commandant on the on the aircraft carrier here. Yeah, a bunch of people just kind of popping in and out. Mm-hmm. So we get this opening, and I'm glad we did the screenplay episode last week because I was thinking about it a lot while watching this. This is kind of another decently structured screenplay story. Uh, we have our opening scene, which is setting the world that this is going to take place in on the sea, in the air, with these pilots, the cockpit view. And this is the uh, kind of setting the stage for the character we're going to see. He's cocky. He's arrogant. He's full of himself. Here's a Russian MiG fighter plane in the middle of the Cold War, like towards the peak there in 1989. Right. Does an invert. I don't even know if you can really like hold that on an, on an airplane, but he sure, certainly does. Gets within two meters of it. Throws him the finger. They take a picture. Could start World War Three with that. <laughs> and it's just a big joke to him. You know what I mean? I think we understand everything about Lieutenant Pete Mitchell Maverick in this opening scene like very clearly. I feel in some ways there's a lot of Snake Plissken yeah. in Tom Cruise in this film. Yeah. Good thing he's not his co-pilot because we probably would be in the middle of World War Three there. A snake would have shot him down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they do said it like he's he's fast. He's a little bit reckless. He's kind of a playboy, um, and I don't think that that's probably too far fetched with that type of fighter pilot. Yeah, I had a friend who actually you know quite well mm-hmm. went off to go become a pilot, and after about eight weeks in, he had to leave the training because the stress levels, as designed by the military to make sure you could handle it, mm-hmm. were such that he had lockjaw. Wow. He couldn't eat. You know, it's it's Denny. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he struggled to, 
even get through those eight weeks. And he said he was just killing it and everything, but that was just so much pressure. Well, it looks like a high stress job. You kind of have to be like that in order to do that job. Mm -hmm. And they get to it with the wingman and I'm not going to leave because, well, if you don't leave as the wingman, (laughs) Jesus Mm -hmm. kind of leaves you very few outs to get away. Should you need to? And, but his character in this is I'm going to do it my way. And the structures in place for safety be damned because I'm just better than everybody. Yeah, else. he doesn't care what kind of feathers he ruffles throughout this this thing. But I, I thought I thought in this what is this eight minutes five five seven minutes? I think we understand his character very clearly. Like this is a pretty good opening scene for him. And then yeah, yeah call sign Merlin and Cougar. Cougar is a uh, John Stockwell. He played. It's not Kelly McGillis. No. He played Arnie Cunningham's friend in Christine. Oh, wow. He's like his buddy. Dennis was his name. I couldn't remember it last night. Yeah, his name. Yeah, Dennis. Um, but yeah, he's like really shaken up and he can't even land the plane. Right. Uh, this film had a pretty notoriously bad NES uh, Nintendo game uh, based off the film. And I swear to God, like you could fight in the skies and it was a lot of fun, but you couldn't land the damn plane. You'd have to go like left, left, right, right, up, up. And the way you're landing the plane is like how Cougar's landing the plane. Like he's all like strung out and like all shaky and like, and then you just die in the game. It's impossible to do. (laughs) You just die. But yeah, I guess Cougar and Merlin were on tap to uh, be the number one and two to go off to uh, Miramar, uh, California, the, the Air Force base out there to attend Top Gun, this prestigious uh, fighter pilot school. So he he can't he's like he's like I got to get out of here like uh, I have a wife and a child and I even even I haven't even met him yet. He's like really he's got really got the shakes. So then up comes Maverick and Goose and you guys were the the 3 and 4, they're out, you're in. So there's your inciting incident of the film like really clear like you what you demonstrated was reckless. You were low on fuel, but it showed heart, it showed courage to make sure you got your fellow men to land before before you did i think the other thing that's set up is why they might be three and four has to do with his lack of adherence to the formality of the job his tower flybys has probably occasional middle finger to the powers that be and the sort of rock and roll flyboy hell be damned kind of attitude that he uses to make him good i think has probably cost him enough demerit points <clears throat> to that's being the difference yeah between one and two and three and four A and B. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it works out and it doesn't matter because now we're off to Top Gun school. I forgot Tom Skerritt was in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Codename Viper. Yep. And he's kind of giving them the rundown. And this is when we meet the rest of our cast of characters. But I love this kind of just this speech that he, he gives him when he kind of calls him out on it. You think your name's going to be on that plaque? Yes, sir. That's pretty arrogant, considering the company you're in. Yes, sir. I like that in the pilot. Remember, when it's over out there, we're all on the same team. Tell them in this school is about combat. There are no points for second place. Dismiss. Hey, he kind of gives it to him right and clear. I see your arrogance as a trait, but I kind of like it. And it's kind of what's needed to be a pilot here at Top Gun if you want to win that trophy. 
So look, we have the the boon, the loot, so eloquently mentioned by Joseph Campbell. It's this trophy on the wall that you get your names on it if you're the top uh, team here at Top Gun. With all these other pilots that are after the same thing and the super competitive nature that allows them to even begin that job at the entry level, just to work their way through basic training to get to the plane and before it even gets to the Top Gun school, mm-hmm. that trophy matters. Because your name on a plaque isn't really about the little brass emblem that says Maverick or Mm -hmm. Goose or Ice or Slider or whoever the hell it is. It's a statement that is stamped on there that will forever be the best of that class. And if you think about it, why it plays for me in that manner. Much of the legacy of pilots is in the stories they tell in some ways, post-mortem or after they're not flying anymore. Mm -hmm. Rarely are they celebrated while they are a pilot. Yeah, It's after, and you hear stories of the Red Baron or this flight, right? And so to get your name on that brass emblem, on that plaque at Top Gun School, means that you've solidified your legacy. Mm -hmm. And that's all there is, really. Yeah, Legacy, chasing history in the present. That seems like a pretty sweet gig. Uh, and I think that's kind of what this new one's going to be about. Cruz has been teaching Top Gun for the last 30 years here. We'll talk about that here uh, t- towards the end. Matt, what do you think of Tony Scott? This is the first time we get to talk to him. There's times uh, when I think, this is brother Ridley Scott, there's times when I think he's better. Other than like Alien and Blade Runner and like Gladiator, Thelma and Louise. That's kind of all I really like from Ridley Scott. Like, he's got The Hunger, Top Gun, Last Boy Scout, True Romance, Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State, Man on Fire. Guy's got a pretty good filmography. I like all those films except Man on Fire. Yeah. So that was actually one of the considerations for the other flight I was going to ask you or Nightcap is who's better, Tony Scott or Ridley Scott? Honestly, I could probably give it to Tony. I think I'm with you. Beverly Hills Cop 2? Yeah. Um, just the hunger alone shows like the avant-garde nature that I don't think Ridley is going to get to even with Blade Runner, which I think is his most autistic <clears throat> or auteur type film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's weird that with the, the pantheon of great films you just rattled off, he's not spoken about more. Mm-mm. He died though. Did he not commit suicide jumping off a bridge? Like he committed suicide because I think he had found out he had been diagnosed with some type of cancer. Yeah. And he figured better than go through down that road. He, he just, just ended it. That's yeah, a sad loss and a great mind and a great talent that, that left us way too early. I, I love the way he directs action. You can tell a Tony Scott like action film, especially. So, so one of the elements you see it in Crimson Tide and I knew he directed Crimson Tide without even just based on like the battle room scenes mm-hmm. in this film. Everyone's really lit with red and blue hues. They're super sweaty. Sweaty. <laughs> like, dude, give them some AC in there. Yeah. Uh, but that's Crimson Tide. Like, that's that's what that look looks like. And the first and that opening scene, another thing that stuck out to me was the 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 fighter pilot. This is '86. Just based on the trailer for this new Top Gun, the fighter pilot scenes now look amazing. And they, I get they film with like 8K cameras and whatever. In this film, it looks good too. Like the the the, I don't even know how you get some of that footage. Like you're strapping a camera to F sixteen fighter jets. Tight. Yeah. Go. Yeah. yeah. And getting dangerous coverage. Like it, it. 
that was really well covered by by Tony Scott and crew in this film. I think range is an important element this week for me. Mm-hmm. The range and the talents and the different entry points that you can showcase your wares at. Yeah. If you can do The Last Boy Scout, which is a sports thriller. That movie's great. I love it. Yeah. And you can do Top Gun mm-hmm. with an entry before all that that is an avant-garde vampire flick with David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Again, for all those that have not seen The Hunger, go. That's good. Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the guy has a nice vision and is not pigeonholed into, I make this type of movie, Paul Verhoeven, right? You know what I mean? Like Paul Verhoeven did one type of movie, pretty damn good. And it fits cause it's kind of a summary feeling film. Yeah. Paul Verhoeven had summer films. Yep. Well, so does Tony Scott mostly. And with the exception of man on fire, which I couldn't stand, mm-hmm. I like all those other films. So I guess the original question is what do I think. I think he's great. Yeah. 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 He rocks better than his brother. I think, I think so too. Really? Look, yeah. and I love alien. I worship at the altar of alien and blade runner, but yeah. like, that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He's really lost it in his later years. Like a lot of the stuff that he's done, I just can't get on board with. I guess the Martian was all right. And with that, Exodus, Gods and Kings, Moses film. Did you see that? No. With Bale and uh, Joel Edgerton. Great cast. Terrible, Terrible. film. Oh, it was, and it was so long. He makes these a Kingdom of Heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's parts of that are okay. And Black Hawk Down is is all right, but like it trumps. It's it's trumped by this uh, filmography here. Agreed. So we get a little bit more of the just the kind of the the back and forth here and a bit of an antagonistical element in the film, which is Iceman played by Val Kilmer. Man, I swear to God, man, if Kilmer rolled up on me with that like shitting, eating grin of his, man, I would punch his lights out. Like I I couldn't handle it. He's just so hateable. (laughs) Snapping his teeth in front of you. I would, I would have clocked him right there. (laughs) He looks the part though. doesn't He does. Yeah. And I think the name is spot on. I don't like you because you're dangerous. You're right. Ice. I am dangerous. (laughs) High and tight with that hair. <laughs> really? Yeah. And then a very formidable opponent. You don't even have to see his flying style. You can just tell. He looks the part. Yeah. And yeah, those two I'll, are going to square off. And like you said, there's your there's your immediate in like external foe. In films, I also kind of like when opposites strike. So you got Tom Cruise has dark hair and he's got like blonde hair. Like that just like naturally they oppose. You know what I mean? which is a weird thing to bring up, but that like it makes that relationship that all the more interesting. So we roll up to this, like the night before training scene into this, uh, just like local, local bar nightclub. And they're just trying to like meet girls and just okay, like, so we got to stop right there for one second. <laughs> we watched it a couple nights ago. And even the other two that I watched it with made a comment that bar is filled with butter faces and summer teeth, mm-hmm. like everything butter face and summer teeth because summer here and summer there. That <clears throat> bar is dump truck city, man. <laughs> and they roll in these flyboys roll in their nice white suits. Slim they're, uh, <laughs> if they're even ripe or so ripe, they're rotten. The My bar. God. <laughs> that, <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and watch that scene. Now. It's rough. Okay. And it's not just the big eighties kind of high combed over hair. It's just, that is not a nice collection of women in that bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, yes. One I, of the things, side note. yeah. Other than the the lack of appearances in this Ooh. bar that that works for me is the relationship between Maverick and and Goose brothers, brotherly co pilots, friends, confidants. 
And I like that we get like these little scenes peppered with how they play off each other well. And one of them is that the, how they how they roll up on chicks. I, w- I wonder how many times they've done this. You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. There's no tenderness like before in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it, baby. How how did they get the other guys in on singing with them? <laughs> that song is just so well known among pilots that everybody knows the chorus. The right Righteous Brothers. Yeah, talk about the Righteous Brothers. They had the, this moment in this song, and then they have Unchained Melody and Ghost. Ghost right. They're more relevant like way before their time, like yeah. after their time. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Kelly McGillis, can uh, we? Yeah, yeah. Does it work for you? Uh, Not really. Neither. Is it age? I know what they're going for with that. I don't know. It's just, it's like opposites attract, but like it's, it doesn't like attract in my brain. Chemistry, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think as we meet her first off, it's okay. Mm -hmm. The bar, it's okay. And as we kind of progress, there's a little bit of playful banter back and forth and there's a give and take and she ends up kind of giving it to him pretty good at the end. And I think as far as conquest goes, she's also a formidable opponent for him. And then she's kind of taken sort of already with an older guy. But this is what was striking to me this time. Okay. I don't know if that's her dad or an older brother or whomever. They never say. It almost, if that's like maybe her significant other, Mm -hmm. it almost isn't out of place because he's not, he's older. But he's not so much older that it looks like a 65-year-old dating a 19-year-old. He's like 50s. And that, to me, was a real big sticking point. Was I did well as much as Kelly McGillis and Harrison Ford work in Witness, and I think that that's a good movie. Yeah, and it mostly works because of the bathing scene and what Harrison Ford (laughs) doesn't do. Now that's a really profound scene. That's a good movie. I love it. Like the way this Amish woman who says "I'm ready for you" and kind of reveals herself to him, and he. Mm doesn't take the bite of the poison apple or the Amish apple. Yeah. Amish apple. It works. Yeah. In that movie, I think it works. Yeah. It doesn't in this. It's weird, but they don't explain that relationship. Like her, it, between it, her and that other guy. Yeah. Or between it, her and Tom Cruise. Her, the, her and the other guy, the, this old man. Uh, if, if it was a, that they just drop it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause I guess Tom Cruise would like, if, <laughs> if he's rejected, he's just going to like follow her into the ladies restroom. <laughs> and he does. Yeah. And then, again, we go back and forth, and should we just get on the counter here? And, like, all this sort of playful, flirtatious. I wish she would make things more difficult for him. She does have, I think at the beginning, though, she does have a wall built, which is, I'm after you because of the information about your dad. And he's after her because he wants to get in her pants. Oh, you got it? Okay. Well, we... Started up on his six when he pulled through the clouds, and then I moved in above him. Well, if you were directly above him, how could you see him? Because I was inverted. Wilson. 
No, he was, man. It was a really great move. She was inverted. You were in a 4G. Inverted dive with a MiG-28? Yes, ma'am. At what range? No, about two meters. Well, it's actually about one and a half, I think. It was one and a half. I've got a great Polaroid of it. And he's, he's right there. Must be one and a half meters. He wasn't half. Uh, Thanks. Lieutenant. What were you doing there? <laughs> Communicating. Communicating. Keeping up foreign relations. That was, you know, giving him the bird. So even in that scene, we kind of see her kind of like give it back to him a little bit. And she kind of is aware of this cockiness, the way he kind of, especially after the bar scene and rolling up with the Righteous Brothers and then following her into the ladies' restroom and this and that. I just, I wish she just made it more, I wish she added another element of conflict into his storyline. Uh, because we just see them kind of back and forth, back and forth, and then they get together, and then she's a part of it, and then they're still kind of together at the end. Maybe the room movie didn't have enough room for it, but I think it did. So I think the story writing element that you brought up is important. Mm. Summer release that's testosterone-induced and big four-quadrant tentpole, fun <clears throat> the rest of our movies, summer film, good-looking people, blah, blah, blah. You have to build in some element of romance. And I think that's why this movie was a big hit. Like, yeah. it worked for some people. That part, again, I think I've already said it, that part doesn't, but I understand why it's in there. But I also can understand why what you said is important. Maybe she needs to be a little less easy to conquer, but then also maybe not because... I don't want it to be such a heavy romance that I don't see him in the plane. Cause that's mostly what I care about. Yeah. So it's a tough one to sort of balance all that out. I think it does a decent job. I just don't back to the same thing for all of that's good and bad at the same time. I just can't get on board with <laughs> the two of them in any way, shape or form. Like when he's on his motorcycle mm -hmm. and she's hitched on his back and they're careening down the highway at 95 miles an hour it just looks like he took his grandma out for a spin. Mm -hmm. It just, and I know it's not quite that bad, but that's all I could think. Yeah. And I think it works less for me, just like chemistry wise. Yeah. It, to me, it feels like a forced love story element. We're here for the plane action, which has been shown very proficiently. <laughs> okay. Since you said forced, let me ask you this. Yeah. Of all the characters or performances in this film, mm. and I'm not going to let you go with Tom Skerritt. Okay. Because I think at this point, I would make the case that he might be the most refined actor in the movie. Sure, yeah, that's fair. Who's the least wooden in their performance in this film? Least wooden? Because Anthony Edwards is woody. He's so he's toy soldier woody. <laughs> he's woody. And Meg Ryan is insufferable in this film. Yeah, I, would, I probably would have gone with her. Who's the, who's the one that's the most natural in their casting and their performance? It's probably Tom Cruise. Right. Yeah. And do we and, and Val Kilmer? Okay, because that's what I was gonna think say. Val Kilmer's like that in real life. <laughs> that is he even acting? Yeah. So this is early in Tom Cruise, and not the refined, yeah, proficient at his craft Tom Cruise that we're gonna get in later later performances. He's still figuring it out. But but can we talk about Tom Cruise? He has something. He has like the Harrison Ford, like Cary Grant quality. Charisma. He is a natural charisma. And it's something you can't teach at acting school. The person just has it. And when they're on screen, they just glow with it. Yeah. I've I've read and, and seen things of people that have made movies with him. And they said when he just walks on the set, 
like the energy changes. And I don't know That's if I Scientology, t- man. Yeah. Flowing <laughs> through him. His K-Pax, is on, his K-Pax is off the chart. It's man. L. Ron Hubbard mm-hmm. through osmosis. Mm-hmm. But no, people say like when he's like commanding and he's the utmost professional, he's, he's, he's nice. He, he knows his scenes. He doesn't show up unprepared yeah. that the, the aura or the energy just, it, you, you know, he's a movie star, which you can't teach that. It's, it's just, and he's had it since then. Like you can tell in these early days, even risky business. Comfortable he, in his space on the screen. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair assessment of him. But if you take this, have you ever noticed uh, his front tooth is like directly in like in the center of like his face? No. So you know how like our front teeth are like perfect, yeah. like perfect. Yes. Right, yeah, perfect. Right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like this one's like right here. Really. Like up the middle of his nose, and when you see it, you can't unsee it. It's like Christian Bell's little eye wart. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never not going to see that. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. Next time, Cruz, look for his teeth and how it's like right in the middle. Mid-tooth? Mid-tooth. <laughs> Isn't that a place in uh, Tolkien's legacy? Mid-tooth? That's where the elves live. No, it's not. <laughs> um, okay, so let me give you, I think, an interesting progression that also shows Tom Cruise in a military role, which would be A Few Good Men. A much different film. It's a good movie. A stage play that was adapted into a screenplay. Is that David Mamet? Yes, it yep. is. David Mamet. That's Rob Reiner too. Yeah. Yep. And that movie has some good moments and it has some bad moments too, but mostly good. Mostly. <clears throat> Isn't he more familiar, comfortable, capable in a few good men than he is in that militaristic role as compared to top gun? Probably. Okay. So that the whole point I'm making on this yeah. is, if we both agree that either Kilmer playing himself on screen mm-hmm. or Tom Cruise as Maverick are the best two performances, save Tom Skerritt, because I didn't let you choose him. Yeah. Maybe the chemistry and the force nature of this is simply because we don't have the best cast yet. Yeah. They have them come into their own. If they ever get there, I thought Tim Robbins was destined for stardom after Shawshank Redemption, and that is not a great film career, Jesse. Yeah. Eh, he had Mystic River. Oh, ish. And Green Lantern. He's in Green Lantern. He's the, yeah, he's the like military guy. You're right. Uh, that's a bad movie. <laughs> There's a lot of bad movies. I think the HUD, HUD Sucker Proxy's awful. But he's also that like weird hermit guy in the War of the Worlds. Yep. He's like shacked up in the house. Again, it's just a minor role. He's maybe on screen for five minutes. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, Michael Ironside's really good at who he plays because he plays that steely, serious man like really good. Yeah, what was that? He made a, another version of a TV show, Airwolf, I think. Isn't he an Airwolf? I think he played he the same role. Yeah, as, yeah something. Well, like whether that. it's Total Recall or, uh, yeah, he's just good at that. The military hard ass. Yeah, the, 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 just like the like the the general guy. They just like, like he, I call him the enforcer. He's really like intimidating. I bet he's a nice guy in real life too. <laughs> so, with all that we've said about the wooden performances and the force nature and all that. Is the movie suffering under the weight a little bit of the character's inability to deliver a solid, believable performance? Maybe not for me. Okay. I'm still enjoying myself. Okay. Again, because Tony Scott's doing a pretty good job directing. Okay. So then the 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 next middle chunk, and we're probably into act two at this point, is the trials and tribulations of going up there and flying and succeeding, being a hot dog up there. And, uh, you know, just kind of that cocky nature uh, shown to us more. This is Ghost Rider requesting a flyby. Negative Ghost Rider, the pattern is full. No, no, ma'am, this is not a good idea. Sorry, Goose. 
but it's time to bust the tower. It's an important moment in the film because A, it shows more of his character, just a little more uncontrolled, unrefined, but they get called out for that. And while they th- thought they, they shot Jester down, the way they did it was unorthodox. Then they get called into the office and there's a scene after that where Goose comes to, to Maverick's room and is like, look, I know this is kind of like a game for you and this and that, but like, I have a family I have to think about and consider. And they kind of have this like come to Jesus moment. He's like, Mav, you can't, you can't pull that shit anymore. We got to like, we've got to be serious about this. Big turning point in the film. First Mm -hmm. of all, Jester bitches out and flies below the attack line to Mm -hmm. save his own hide. Yeah. Which speaks to not only how good Maverick is because he's chasing down their teacher on like their first go head, their first dogfight. I don't think there's no doubt in the film that he's the best pilot already. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So it shows how good Maverick is, how he's not going to follow the rules, how much is at stake for all of the players involved, and how competitive this na- this whole environment is. And with all of that that you just said, the first crack in the Maverick armor that we see is when Goose asks him to stop being such a rebel mm-hmm. because he has a lot at stake. He doesn't really have another chance. This is the final bullet in the gun for his fly dreams and the flyby with the tower, which is just a middle finger, just a, an immature middle finger. Well, it's like showboating and like after like a touchdown or something. Talking yeah. trash. Yeah. It's a, exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. And we're not up there in the air for real. It's not flybys and Polaroids and birds. We're going up against MIGs and bad guys mm-hmm. that want to blow us the hell out of the air. Yeah, And we start at this point. There's another big event coming that's going to change that not too long from now. Yeah. To see Maverick have to put his feet on the ground and grow up. Yeah. And that's, I think, what this movie is. It's oh, a yeah. coming of age story. Definitely. Right? Okay. Yeah. It's a coming of age story. What better way to do it than with your grandma, Harold and Mod? <laughs> that's what it is. It's Harold and Mod. Do you like Harold and Mod? It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, much like last week, to me, it's all about the environment. And they've obviously set up a unique air fighter plane air traffic environment that's uh a lot of fun and yeah so yeah i think that's an important moment we see the more antagonistical elements with him and Iceman. he gets a little closer to yeah charlie's her her sign the instructor uh kelly mcgillis <laughs> what did you think okay so eventually they seal the deal they get in a huge blowout in the middle of the street and then they have sex <laughs> Mm-hmm. What do you think of the sex scene? Like, is it just like so ridiculous? Yeah, from the song by Berlin. D- yes. Was it any sexy for you? Like, no. It's. I don't want to go so far as say it's a bit repugnant. Yeah. But you could leave that out. Look, I I like like tongue action, but like there's like so Ooh, much. This do you <laughs> sing it? There's so talk to me, maestro. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like so much tongue focusing in there it's just like oh my god like this is kind of like this is a little too gross <laughs> oh and then yeah but isn't the that blue lighting isn't it's, just isn't so like, it's like peak 80s like that scene for all the things that tony scott is good at yeah i don't think the love scene is in his hierarchy of 
his wheelhouse <clears throat> of excellence. That's fair. I mean, they try. The song's nice. The the lighting is moody. It's slow enough, and the ripples of skin intertwined with the complexities of the covers and the angst and the makeup. Like, it's all there. Mm-hmm. It just, she just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. That, maybe that's, anybody. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I was, as we were talking, I was trying to think who would have been better cast as you're about to go on this. I'm, I'm going to pose this to myself for a minute. Instead of Kelly McGillis, who should we, Amy Irving, Nancy Allen, Sybil Shepard. There you go. Ooh, that's pretty good. Uh, that's, that's the, pretty good. Your winner right there, <laughs> yeah. Sybil um, but this is part of the, I don't want to call it marketing or just like the Kim summer singer. Yeah, that should be pretty good too. Yeah. This is a little before her time though. A little bit. This is the whole package here for a summer blockbuster mm-hmm. of sorts. Like this is the part of the film that's getting the, 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 the women to come see the film, the romantic element. We're here for the fighter shit. They're here for this romance. 18 to 35 year old mo- males, date movie, family movie, rewatchable movie, popcorn movie. Action. It's yeah. <laughs> Put another stake in the tent pole ground for this check film. Checking so many boxes. Amen. Yeah. I, I when I don't I can't remember what how old I was when I really got into like box office numbers. Yeah. Like it's become like an obsession. Box office mojo. It's such a great site. Oh yeah. Uh, you you can get into the nitty gritty there, the dailies. When I tried to kind of go look by by year to see what the top grossing film ones. I, I was always really kind of surprised that for 86, Top Gun's the highest grossing film of this year. Hmm. When you watch it, you're like, I understand why. It's got a little bit of something for everybody. It's Even sports. It's kind of a sports movie, too. <laughs> we got to talk about that scene. No, do we? Are you sure? <laughs> You're so oily in that scene. Boy, who plays volleyball in 95 degrees in jeans? Ugh. Yeah, yeah, is it humidity or it, it looks like oil? It looks like look the Cruz and Kilmer and whoever whatever actor played Slider. Rossing Null or Rossing Rick Rossovich or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, look, you guys obviously got in shape for this film. Good job. We're gonna have this volleyball scene. You can take your shirt off if you want. Anthony Edwards is gonna keep his shirt on. <laughs> but let's get those muscles glistening. Like they totally oiled up. Oh yeah. Play it with them. <laughs> Okay, since you did it, let's talk about that for a minute. Who, Kenny Loggins? Yeah. Okay, so a nice career for me in some ways yeah. outside of film, but if you take Footloose and you take Top Gun, you have two anthem-like scores, soundtracks, sound from summer music that are unforgettable, but is Danger Zone one of the worst songs of all time? I think every breath you take from, or um, not, uh, take yeah. my breath away is worse than Danger Zone. Really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. I don't mind Danger Zone, Ugh. but I think Kenny Loggins works well in this film space. I mean, it, if take everything else away, and he just had the Caddyshack song, Footloose, and this one, it's a pretty good career. Like, um, I think those are oh, pro- like the Loggins Messina stuff is fantastic. Yeah, the stuff that he did with Stevie Nicks is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I just think. Playing, I, playing with the boys in Danger Zone are terrible well, you know, songs. Playing with them boys is ridiculous, and it fits a very ridiculous sequence of events. Right. But to me, Danger Zone fits the film very well. Yes. It, maybe it's just overplayed for you. Did, was it on the radio a lot? It was, and it's funny you said that because I said last night when we were watching this, I don't know what song I get sick of more in a movie. This in Top Gun. Okay. 
or Scarborough Fair in The Graduate. I like that song too. <laughs> but it's just never ending. But they they use the Berlin song for like every like. Or is it sounds of silence. It sounds, maybe it sounds of silence that they. No, just it's played. it's Scarborough Fair over and over yeah. and over. Anyway, yeah. right. But it's the every every breath you take. It's take my breath away. That's the the melody is played for every inter romantic interlude in this film. Like you hear it at least five times before they have sex. Then you hear the lyrics. <laughs> it's not even Berlin's best song. Their best song is Metro by a mile. Oh yeah, yeah. So come on, pick a good one. But you're packaging a whole deal. Like we talked in the Batman episode about you got the hit film. Now you got the hit soundtrack. Gonna buy the soundtrack. I forgot that the cheap trick did the song at the end. That's right. They did at the end of the film. Was that Mighty Wings or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you got a and then the Righteous Brothers stuff. Like you got a whole conglomerate package here. That's you get the whole thing here. Very marketable. Oh, very marketable film. Right. He slapped Tom Cruise on that poster. Yeah, it's a great poster with the glasses and the aviator kind of feel to it, and Kelly McGillis on his shoulder. Is was this was this gonna be hot? Was this film like? Do you think it was popular too, just because we hadn't seen this world before? Mm -hmm. Like, can you think of like a fighter pilot movie prior to this? No. And what? Iron Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> Airwolf. Yeah. What was the? What was the? Um, I think Iron Eagle had to have been after this, though. What was the Clint Eastwood one? Blue Thunder. Oh, no, Roy no. Scheider. Yeah, Blue Thunder. Yeah. Isn't that Roy Scheider? And then what's the, then? There's a Clint Eastwood film too, where he steals a Russian yes, I know it, helicopter. Firefox. There you go. Yeah. So we're in a space where that's a bit popular. This was the best of all of them. Mm -hmm. Look, Jesse. I mean, what kid? What young boy? And and young women too. But being a young boy, so I can speak to this directly. Doesn't want to fly an F four faster than God. Mm -hmm. With all of that, I mean, that is just power fantasy on full display. It ta it tapped into something that every boy, and most every boy, yeah. nothing's every, yeah. death and taxes, right? Had fantasies about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whether it's a Porsche, and that's why we like James Bond because they're fast and cool, or an F4, those are the same thing. Mm-hmm. And there's even the suit that goes with it. Yeah. The cool glasses and the the aviator. Like it's it's a whole desire for power and speed. And man, they tapped into it in this and what wildly popular for that. Yeah. So I must have this movie like ten times. Mm -hmm. Let's get to the like crisis moment of the film. You alluded to it earlier. It's like literally the turning point to into Act Three, and that's they go up for another mission, and then like again the cockiness of Maverick thinks he can like come in and like get the the confirmed kill and then the plane like stalls out it like loses its engine one and then they go into tailspin i actually think that's pretty well crafted because remember what happens before yeah ice can't yeah. seal the deal yeah so, so he's this got to bail because they're tied at this point right point what whatever point system they use in top gun <laughs> so ice has got to bail maverick takes over and he flies through the jet wash from ice's plane yeah and it spins out his engines, and then we're in free fall. So they eject. But then, you know, I guess and Goose I, is the one that pulls the handle to eject it because Maverick can't reach it. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Oof. So he pulls it, and then what? So what happens is, so the cockpit doesn't like fully eject quick enough. Because then Goose flies Boom. into it, breaks his face on the cockpit. Yeah. They set that up well early because then we get to meet his family and get real familiar with all of them. And so he has a little boy and everything. And yeah, this kills him. Yeah. 
there's he's dying there. And it's it a very poignant moment, but like, as you said earlier, it stunts uh, Maverick. Like he he can't even get in the plane anymore without like getting the twitches. Yeah, he's going through what's his name went through in the opening scene. Um, Cougar. Cougar. Mm-hmm. He's going through what Cougar's going through at the beginning. So he, at least he can get up there, but he won't engage. He keeps bailing, all of that stuff. And um, Tom Skerritt, Viper, yeah, demands that Jester get him out there again because he knows he's got to work through this crisis of conscience that he's having. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. And essentially, as the going-to-be-greatest-ever mantle stalls out we're gonna have to be content with the forlorn nature of losing your best friend but you were still a pretty damn good pilot and functional enough probably to be a teacher at the top gun academy in some space and that's kind of where you think this is going to end up and that's how his dad died too right yep yeah his dad Well, sort of we don't i mean from what we can decode he died plane related right he had to have but yeah this is this is traumatic for him and i like that his character takes this turn it's it's a step in the right direction of maturity because it's going to take some act of God to kind of get him back up there to the pilot that he once was. And then he gets this great pep talk from uh, Tom Skerritt, Dallas. Wrong movie. So you think I should quit? I didn't say that. The simple fact is you feel responsible for Goose and you have a confidence problem. Now, I'm not going to sit here and blow sunshine up your ass, Lieutenant. Good pilot is compelled to always evaluate what's happened so he can apply what he's learned. Up there, we gotta push it. That's our job. It's your option, Lieutenant. All yours. So he gets that little moment from a father figure of sorts since his dad's kind of not in the picture. And... So then they complete the Top Gun school. Obviously, his absence has not allowed him to take part in this competition. So it's Ice, Iceman and Slider that win. But as soon as they graduate, they're immediately thrust into conflict. They're assigned to the Enterprise, the ship we saw at the beginning with Principal Strickland. And they're going right into conflict with these MiGs, I assume, right? Five, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom, right up there. And so Maverick's like back up. He's going to back up with with Merlin, with Tim, Tim Robb. Yeah, I totally forgot he was in this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's into the the final the final conclusion of the film here, this kind of final air fight, which is, again, expertly crafted by Scott and crew. Yeah. So they've kind of left Maverick on the sideline just in case. Mm-hmm. But just in case happens and he needs to join the fray, the question <laughs> is, is he ever going to be able to reengage in air conflict and get over those feelings of doubt and guilt and all the things that he's still suffering from, from goose. We're about to find out. So this is crisis conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gets up there and he's pretty hesitant at the beginning and his friends that he's up there to support are really under significant duress from the MIGs because they're smaller and a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. So he's got to come along and, First thing to do is he's got to bail out ice, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, he does so, and we go through what obviously is him and his reclaiming the mantle of glory. Otherwise, the movie's not going to work. Obviously, he's got to get it back. And at the end, after he's been 
kind of left with him and Merlin one-on-one, we kind of really do see how good he's been. Not only has he overcome his fears and his self-doubts and the guilt and everything that was going on in his mind over Goose's death, but then he's going to take down this MiG. And this is a a professionally trained Russian pilot against a guy who just got out of his graduation gear at Top Gun Academy and into flight gear, like green as they come. Yeah. I think that's a really good sequence. Mm -hmm. Hit the brakes and they'll fly right by. Yeah, and we saw that earlier. That's how how he took down uh, Jester. Right. He set it up quite well. Mm -hmm. So that's his go-to move, his brakes. They zoom by. They take out all these guys and... And you know, Jesse, I don't know if that's a move really in in flying or not, but you know what it is? Mm. It's strategic and simple enough that the audience understands that he's the one who's figured it out and it makes sense. Yeah. If you get into barrel rolls and G4s and some of the the verbiage that goes along with the lexicon in flight school that you and I have no idea and the layperson in the audience doesn't, they're going to lose and like that, I barely, bug, I, that bugs in films when they do that. I barely know what the guy in the back seat's doing. But the, everyone just, in the world knows what brakes are. Yeah. yeah. And so like you just hit the brakes and they fly right. But it's really it's simple. simply smartly done. Yeah. 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 We're not getting too heady in ourselves in the world where we just totally tune out. Right. Yeah. The film doesn't do that. So they win the day. They land back on the aircraft carrier. Uh, since he saved Ice's life, apparently they finally have their first like embrace of sorts to kind of repair that. So he's no longer the villain. They're comrades, teammates of sorts. Brothers. Brothers. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was weird. So he had Goose's dog or um, dog tags. Dog tags. And he throws them into the ocean. I was like, didn't he give them to his wife? His kid? He just chucks them. In the th- like, I understand why he did it, but it uh, to me, like, it's almost as an inappropriate ending as Pepper Potts sending Tony Stark off in Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. The same thing caught me too. That is not who gives you. That is not the final goodbye. That is not satisfactory. Why and I, would he even get rid of that? Yeah, I don't know. Because he died. At sea. I understand. I understand why he did it. I just give it to the kid who is obviously the man of the house now. Right. I wonder if they're going to come back to that in this next film. Maybe Miles Teller is Goose's... He is. Oh, it is. Grown Mm -hmm. up. Yep. Well, there you go. And I wonder if there's going to be some type of like rift between those two. Like you killed my dad or or whatnot. You know what I mean? For sure. Some like unspoken like tension there. Mm -hmm. So I was going to say the film ends, but the the film doesn't end there. We we go back to this little diner restaurant and uh, Charlie, who again, I think in like act three, she kind of disappears. She drops him off at the funeral and then doesn't even go in with him. I thought that was a little strange, too. She obviously knew Goose and his family. She We had that great balls of fire singing sequence. And she shows up, plays the Righteous Brothers, gets him up so they, they can have one final. Again, it, to me, it felt forced. Not to say that it, it the relation didn't entirely work. I wish it just worked more for the film because the film, I think, would be a little more uh, complete. Yeah. Then the, to me, there's an element missing, and it's the romantic aspect that just it just doesn't. Well, she's taken another job in DC. Yeah, it's really easier to be easy to get her out after things sort of fall apart between the two of them, and she tries to talk him back off the ledge, and he just wants to be left alone. And you want to talk about second act reversal as low as you can get. Not yeah. only is your best friend dead, but now you just lost your girl too. Yeah, and you can't even fly. 
She should be, if you're not going to use her, get rid of her. Yeah. So yeah, she should be gone. The Karate Kid 3, or the, there's there's a movie in this era somewhere where there's a romantic interest and something like this happens, and she bails. Like, she's gone for, like, the rest of the film. Like, leaves him high and dry. Well, that's the beginning of Karate Kid 2. Is it Karate Kid Elizabeth Shue bails on him after he punches out, what's his name's window? Yeah. Magagi punches out um, Cobra Kai guys, what the hell's his name? Martin Cove? The main, yeah, the main guy. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember his real oh, name. God. <laughs> She leaves. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. Cause she, she leaves. Yeah. She bails on him right they after he wins the all Valley tournament. Yeah. She's gone. Yeah. Yeah. She had like a fling at college that year. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, the film wraps up. It doesn't quite work for me, but then we play out to, we play out to that, that cheap trick song, which I, I thought was pretty cool. I like cheap trick. Yeah, me too. I, was a, I think that's a fairly underrated band. Yes. Some things I found, you know, while just kind of just doing some a little bit of research. So the the the, uh, the soundtrack was pop nine times platinum. Wow, that's pretty good. It is. Uh, they asked Brian Adams to do the music instead of Kenny Loggins. They also asked Toto to do Danger Zone. Mm. Wonder what that would sound like. Mm. I like Toto. Me too. The film had a budget of fifteen million, which is pretty. That's. That seems kind of low for some of the stuff they were doing in the film. Yeah. Filming on water, in the air, with expensive military planes. Maybe the military agreed to foot the bill on some of that because they were going to be shown in such a favorable light. Like, what a great recruiting tool for the military. That's what I I should have looked it up, is how much the recruiting or enlisting in the military increased after this film. Yeah, that'd be an interesting number. Yeah, because they're shown in a very positive light. Yeah. It's very welcoming and yeah, can be a part of this. Uh, Badass. Yeah, yeah, it can be a part of this world. $356 million gross. This is pretty big. Big <laughs> hit. 1986. Like with the other films coming out there, like Aliens and um, Back to School, <laughs> which I like Back to School. Uh, yeah, Triple Indy. Yeah, this is your top grocer of 1986. Um, but as we stated earlier, it has a little bit of something for everybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, are you excited, Matt, for the sequel? Do you feel like it's too late? Or mm, about right? No, I don't think it's too late. I can tell you, though, I didn't ever really feel like I needed a sequel to it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they talked about it many times. <clears throat> and I don't know why it never got going, but I guarantee you they had the conversation. It's not too late. It's about right. Um, Tom Cruise in a latter stage is going to be kind of an interesting deal. I didn't know that Miles Teller was playing Goose's son, so I sort of like that angle. Jennifer Connelly. <clears throat> Touchdown. John Hamm. Okay, yeah, so far that's really good. <laughs> the only thing that's kind of killing it for me is who's directing it is um, his name is Joseph Kaczynski. He did Tron Legacy and Oblivion. And I'm not a fan of those movies. Which one is Oblivion? Is that the Natalie that's, Portman? That's film? the Tom Cruise one where he's like on Earth and uh, it's all yeah, abandoned. Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I well, we'll go see it. We'll probably sure. do it. Do it on the show. <laughs> I'm sure we'll cover it. Yeah. I don't know. Like on a scale of one to ten, I'm probably like six and a half. Where oh, are you? Okay, that's not seven, eight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the trailers look eight. good. Okay, eight. That, that's a you got to go see that in IMAX because they they're gonna blow that one up. Uh, because of the cameras that they used on those things, like it's it it looks even better than than what what this film looked like. So that'll get me in in the in the seats there. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. I almost feel like it's a sequel, much like uh, Color Money. 
like really late? Independence Day resurgence. Like if, if you had, if you wanted to do that, that'd be an interesting discussion. We might have to get Kurt on the, on the horn to do that Ooh, episode. Because yeah. mm-hmm. what a trash film that is. Yeah. But they waited so long to do it. Like I, I, the, the, there's times when you make something and the, the, the property's not relevant anymore. Like we don't care. Crystal Skull. But maybe Top Gun, which is it timeless? Like it's it's still relevant. I mean, there's still military pursuits to be had. I'm sure they'll take on some terrorist network cell um, somewhere. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll have the legacy that this film has, but it, it's we'll have to see. It's, I, it does have the legs of everybody that now as a parent with their kid is going to take them to see this and probably revisit Top Gun yeah. as well. I saw Top Gun as a kid, or I went on a date to see Top Gun. Now we have our kids there in, in high school. We'll go see Top Gun together. Yeah. yeah, So maybe it has that going for it. What's your favorite tasting note of Top Gun? Probably that end sequence. Um, the final battle in the sky with the MiGs. That's my, that's, um, yeah. that's good. That's well done. <clears throat> yeah, probably that. Because mine's the I love mo- scene, <laughs> the volleyball scene. Mm. They're so glistening, like a donut. Um, <laughs> well, mine's the opening. I didn't realize how how kind of how really well done the opening sets up the rest of the film. How well uh, Maverick the character set up, just the the aerial action. It's pretty ridiculous that upside down inverted thing that he does, but um, it's a good setup for the film. It's yeah. a great opening scene, right? Sets a standard, gives you an unfamiliar setting, shows you what he's about. You have really crafted well on the page, pen to paper. What's the... Oh, my God. I need to take a shot or polish off this bottle scene of Top Gun. Man, Goose hitting the... <laughs> the What do you call it? The canopy. The, like the top of the cockpit. Yeah, the cockpit. Because they show it, it really like well. close-up of it. Oh, it's hard to watch. For sure. That's what it is. Mine's uh, uh, Tom Cruise's apparent unibrow throughout the film. Man, I noticed that Did too. Did he have like a makeup Stylist? person that like, yeah, like shape that? I'm with you. Those weren't popular in 1986. The Anthony That's, Davis over here? <laughs> no, really. That, those weren't po- Those were gone then. Yeah. That wasn't a thing. Yeah. It was very evident in this view. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was like, and it was all bushy. <laughs> so that goes back to sort of the sum total of Cruise in this. Yeah. Like, we're not quite, you can see it. We're yeah. going to get there. But from the acting chops to the aesthetic, we're just not quite there yet. Yeah. He didn't run a, enough in this film either. I didn't, at all, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's the master distiller on Top Gun? We probably have the same one. No, you go first. Tony Scott. It's a really well-crafted, high-flying, testosterone-induced film yeah. that checks all the necessary boxes for summer blockbuster gold. That's the best way I can describe that. I think I'm going to go Tom Cruise only because like for everything we said, you see the seedlings of a movie star. Yeah. And like the beginning, like this was, I can't, Risky Business was probably a hit, but it wasn't like a hit like this. This was like him in another level. Our rating versus what this was too. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I'm going to have to go with him. And like, he's so, I like the Mission Impossible films. Uh, and Jerry Maguire, I like Magnolia. Interview with a Vampire. Yeah, that's good too. Uh, Minority Report, I like that one. But then there's some stuff that I'm just like, but it's not like that he's bad in it. Like, to me, I don't like Eyes Wide Shut the movie. It's very tedious. 
as titillating as all the nudity is in that film. But he's not terrible in it. Him and Nicole Kidman are really great in that film. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you know he was married to Mimi Rogers? I did. I was looking at that. Did did not know that. You ever seen Rapture? Yeah. That's an interesting film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to go with him. It's like I said earlier, It's he's got that Harrison Ford, Marlon Brando thing going on that like it's just when you see it on screen, it just it clicks. Yeah. And you can't teach it. Right. You can't direct it either. How are you going to rate and grade uh, Top Gun? We have Rock Gut, Well Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. This movie hasn't aged as well for me as I had hoped. It was a pretty tough viewing. Again, I know this is not fine cinema, so let's be frank about what this movie's trying to do. It's a popcorn flick. Right. Yeah. So popcorn flick for me has to do with rewatchability, and am I able to suspend the disbelief enough to get to the crux? I can't entirely do that it's well plus for me. Like this is, I don't ever, ever, ever need to see this film again. But I didn't want to set myself on fire watching it either. Yeah. Well plus to call minus probably... If Call's kind of average, this is a little bit less than summer blockbuster fair average for me. So I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going with well plus. Did you like it more or less than E.T.? Oh, shoot. That's a good one. Probably less. Uh, yeah, probably less. And I don't love E.T. either. So yeah, well. E.T. wasn't terrible in this last viewing, though. You yeah, we, th- we really kind of prepped for terrible, didn't we? And it well, didn't I was, end up being I was terrible. Ready, I was ready to go in guns blazing. And I kind of came out being like, you know what? I forgot that I do like some of this stuff in this film. Couldn't do it, yeah. I couldn't do it. It was was a fair assessment of the extraterrestrial. There's some good moments in Top Gun. There's some egregious, terrible things. Like I think my biggest sticking point going away from it is I just can't do Kelly McGillis. That's a terrible cast. Um, We can get into that another day on many more levels, but... Are we going to do another another film that she's... Oh, we can do Witness one of these days. Don't you imagine we hit a, a Harrison Ford cast sooner or later? Mm, that'd be pretty good. Uh, he's The Fugitive? Yeah. That one? Probably going to go about a call plus. Wow, that high. Yeah. Uh, I've always really liked this film, but like kind of like you... Like Back to the Future is way better. Oh, yeah. Um, way better. Like I'd much rather watch Ghostbuster. Like there's so much better 80, 80s fare, but like... I really like the world that they set up and they and Tony Scott sets it up really well of this fire pilot school and the machismo and I'm willing to roll probably because I didn't grow up in the decade with just how cheesy the 80s could get the neon blue pinkish hues the uh, the Berlin song the, the Nagel aesthetic it, that just pervades every scene yeah and I because it comes across as ridiculous, but like, man, every movie was doing that at this time. And, but I'm able to kind of have fun with that and kind of relish in that. And I think probably cause I didn't grow up living that every day. You know what I mean? The only way I can experience that is in these films. You know, the one that is very similar to this, although it's a different vehicle that I actually prefer. Days of Thunder. Right. Mm-hmm. Tony Scott. Right. I'll do Days of Thunder, which is Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. Um, over this any day of the week. That's such a similar... because It's you, the same movie. You got the blonde... Carrie Always is the Val Kilmer. It's literally the same beats. Is that Robert Duvall? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that movie's identical <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Cool. No, yeah, um, I probably won't watch it as much as the other films. I, I think I preferred a little more to E.T., but there, there's some things to like about this and some things to kind of just chagrin at and whatever, but yeah, call plus... It's not single barrel level or top shelf level like Back to the Future last week. Um, yeah, and I'm excited, and I'm excited to see whatever the sequel could potentially do. If you're sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon, 
channel surfing. Okay. And this comes on, are you going to burn through it again? Do you that's like it enough only- to watch it again? Oh yeah. Okay. I own it. I just rebought it on 4K, so I think that's your answer. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Or not, you buy three <laughs> copies of every movie. It's a sickness. I'm I'm ill. It's a sickness. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get to our nightcap. Hang on, everybody. Matt's gone. He's a pile of ash on the seat here. He just... Whenever I call <laughs> you friend. You just torched yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Go ahead and hit us with the nightcap this week. So in honor of Tom Cruise, who has had quite a range in many parts that he's played, everything like we said from Vampire to Monster Hunter, the question I want to pose to you in this nightcap is what's the genre-specific role or film typecast role he has not performed yet that you would most like to see him in next? <clears throat> Answer. I got two answers for this, because when you text me, you kind of like gave me like some like options, but there was one that stuck out to me it's, as a villain. Yep. When has he ever played the bad guy? I think he'd probably be a pretty formidable opponent. With you, so like far. I wish he wasn't the lead in Mission Impossible because he'd be a good bad guy in that series. Yeah, so that's one I want to see. The one I wrote down, and it's kind of cheating, but um, it's a role he already played. But I just want more of it. And don't you think you could see a Les Grossman film from Tropic Thunder as oh, that character? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just you, just totally ridiculous, and doing whatever he did in that movie, just but just more of it. I think that could be pretty enjoyable. That mm-hmm. was that was such a surprise that he. He's not on any of the posters or headlined. He just showed up in the middle of that film, and I think everyone... Seven minutes? Screen time? Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe a little bit more. But I think everyone that saw that like turned to whoever they saw and was like, is that Tom Cruise? Like You didn't know at first, and that was what was genius about it. Yeah. Okay, so I want a feature film with Les Grossman written by Ben Stiller and Justin Theroux. Who, who, that's who wrote Tropic Thunder. And I want a villain whether it's a spy film, an action film, and like a psychological thriller with Tom Cruise as the villain, that could be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Directed by David Fincher. Ooh. Yeah. I like it. There you go. I also want to go the villain route. I want to see him as the debaucherous, derelict, corrupt cop in the western town in the middle of Shinbone Alley, fending off the hordes of good for the purposes of tyranny and financial gain in town X. That's what I want. I want him in a Western cool clad in black handlebar mustache. I want Liberty Valance, Tom Cruise style in 2020. That sounds cool. And I want Chris Pratt to oppose him. Mm, Nice. So that sounds a little bit like the magnificent seven. I think that was a huge, huge swing and miss and it shouldn't have been, but it wasn't because Chris Pratt was bad. How come it wasn't like Magnificent Seven, but like as like a like a heist, like 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 a bank robbery movie, yeah, like a modern telling of that. I know. Uh, like he kind of played a bad guy in Collateral, but uh, not, yeah, David Mann, not not not, not or what, Michael Mann. I mean, not what I want. No, and that's a, that's an okay film. I want like a real bastard. Yeah, yeah. I want it's not like we don't like you, Tom Cruise, or like like we we go see your movies and you're always the hero, Vanilla Sky, like whatever he's doing. Let's see you kind of, yeah, push the envelope a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we both are on the villain side. Mm-hmm. 
Chill. Excellent. Yeah, that's, that's that's good. Yeah, we'll have to come back to some of his other his, some of his other films coming up. Like someday we talk about it, the Cameron Crow cast. Oh yeah, he'd be a part of that. And we're definitely doing Vanilla Sky. Yeah, that movie would be so fun to talk. Would about you rather do that one of... versus Jerry Maguire? Well, could we just do them both? Both those films. Then would be almost great. famous. Yeah, that's pretty good. We got to do a Paul Thomas Anderson cast at one point. Oh, we could yeah. do Magnolia. Yeah, that's a great cast in that film. Well, what else would we do with that? Boogie, Boogie Nights, Nights and There Will Be Blood. Oh my God, it's another great cast. I'm at half mast. <laughs> We're just locking them. Speaking of next cast, so Matt and I have been doing a lot of thinking in the week. So we're keeping an eye on the 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 pulse of movie theaters, and all eyes are looking toward mid July with Christopher Nolan's Tenant, which they just rolled out another trailer. Man, I can't be more excited. Right, pumped. So we still have some time to kill before we get to that, before we get to some new releases. But that's kind of what all film review podcasts are doing at this point. Like, we're not going to review Capone. No. (laughs) That sounds awful. Yeah. We wanted to do stuff that feels like the summer movie season. Like, if you would be going to see E.T. and Top Gun and and this and that, taking you through trips through the decade, and we try to think of what feels summery to cover now. Right. I think we just kind of came up with it before we started this episode. So we've done two of his movies before it was the same franchise mm-hmm. mr arnold schwarzenegger but now we're going to kind of focus on some of his little solo efforts so i think we're going to start with next week with 1987 the running man oh, i can't wait have you ever read the with stephen king richard bachman uh his the uh, the short it's not short, it's a novel mm-hmm. have you read that before i haven't might have to burn through that before before this week because i think it's very different but I, I haven't seen it in a few years, but I love The Running Man. <laughs> like I do it's too. like The Hunger Games, like TV show, mm-hmm. Richard Dawson and Jesse Ventura. It's just, it's just, it's more 80s ridiculous, but like, it's like Arnold, like doing like what he does best. Quippy one-liners. Used to be Sub-Zero. Now he's plain zero. Hey, Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> I told him to split. <laughs> I know. Oh man, the quotes are going to be off the chart, but it's a very high concept idea post-apocalyptic wasteland of Los Angeles, and now the only profiting entity is this television show called The Running Man that everyone tunes into every night and everyone bets on. Like, they just got the money turned in, but, like, man, there's some stuff happening behind the scenes here. Yeah, Ben Richards is his name. Yep. Yafet Koto's in that one, too. Maria Conchito Alonso. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh, when's the last time you've seen it? About a year and a half ago. Oh, recently. Okay. Yep. Okay, excellent. I'm excited. And then like Jim Brown too. Yep. The films we have coming after that are going to be badass. Badass. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, talk. we'll talk about Schwarzenegger. We'll probably have, we'll get into a little bit of his bodybuilding career and his kind of rise to like stardom and acting. And Means we're hitting pumping iron in this cask. We probably won't. <laughs> we'll mention pumping iron. I know. But uh, yeah, it'll be fun to kind of talk about him too. And he's kind of been around for many decades as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. So you have that coming next week. So hit us up on any of the social media on Facebook or Instagram. If you're liking uh, what you're hearing, you can always leave us a review on Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeart uh, Radio, like anywhere you can get a podcast, our RSS feed is in there. So to that, we haven't talked about this in a while, of the countable downloads, and there's a lot of platforms that it's hard to sort of Keep accounting of what, yeah, what traction a, you're getting. Download, yeah. But Jesse, we're close to 35k. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Ryan Nation, 
that's, kudos to you guys. That's to you. I think that's pretty awesome. You got people listening all over the world, which is whether it's Australia or London or all you people there in Minnesota. Like I don't know anyone there, but like this is the end of month fifteen. Yeah. And we've had 15 consecutive months of bigger growth than the previous. Is yeah. that still right? It's yeah. Word of mouth. It's, wow. it's how you just, it's how I discover podcasts. Literally. I, I just like go look at a list of like movie and I just like, Hey, look at that. I like what they're covering. I'm, I'm going to look, I like, I self discover just on my own regard. And yeah. I think a lot of people do that. So thank you to everyone listening. Yeah. We are wildly appreciative of you all. Thank yeah. you so much for your time and your ears once a week. Yeah, once a week. Excellent. And so to that, cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. Cheers. I got to get going. I got to go get oiled up because I'm going to go play a round of uh, beach volleyball in the backyard there. I will be your wingman, maestro. Nice. I got the uh, Johnson Johnson's baby oil right here in the back. <laughs> Bullshit. You could be my wingman. <laughs> Snap. Excellent. We'll see you. <laughs> yeah, teeth. You can't, you can't see it, but I'm doing the Val Kilmer, and then I'm punching those teeth out. There you go. We'll see you all next week. Everybody have a great week, and we will see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to leave us a comment at Productions at gmail.com. Top Gun is property of Paramount Pictures and Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer Films. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. You are still dangerous. You can be my wingman anytime. Bullshit. You can be mine. <laughs>